0: Good evening. Welcome back. Glad to see y'all here. A couple new faces. Glad that you're here as well. The fruit of the Spirit is goodness. Last night we had kindness. So kindness and goodness go hand in hand and are often associated with generosity. So what is good? Use it in a sentence. Okay. I missed it. Very good. We're not on verses yet about goodness. Keep those thoughts. There's one that
1: goes like this, not quite sure how but it's good grief.
0: Good grief. So, you, use good in a sentence. God is good. God is good. It's bordering on a verse again, but that's okay.
2: That was your good chocolate cake.
0: Thank you, good chocolate cake. <laughs> good is gooder than gooder. Good is gooder than gooder. <laughs> I have a motto that I used to have hung behind my desk, and I took it down because it provoked too many conversations. Um, Good is not good enough when better is possible. Good is not good enough when better is possible. So what is good? Someone get Acts 11, 11, 22 through 24, please. So what are we saying when we say he's a good kid? Or... They're good people. Or that's a good restaurant. Or this is good coffee. Acts 11, 22 through
1: twenty-four.
0: Thank you. Barnabas was a good man, the Bible says. What's that mean? What do you mean when you say something is good? You say this is good chocolate cake or good coffee.
1: Agrees with
0: me. It agrees with you?
1: It's
0: not bad. It's not bad. It means I like it. it.
3: Means you like it. Yeah. Far
0: Desirable, average. satisfying. What was it? Far above average. Far above average. Yeah, So the word used, I think, because I did not write it down, and so I'm drawing on my limited Greek memory. For some reason, it's not in my notes, and I don't have enough service to search it. So if someone wants to correct me later, that's great. Um, but I believe the Greek word used here in, in um, Galatians is agathasuni. Agatha Sunni, I believe is how you say it. So having integrity, or upright, goodness. um, It is also tied in with the Hebrew word chesed that we talked about last night, which is translated loving kindness. So goodness, loving kindness. um, How many times do you think the word is used, that, that Greek word is used in the Bible? meaning goodness. How many? Two hundred. Well, nope. This feels like guessing the attendance here. It's a lot less. Yes, thank you. I have the right word written down. So it's, there's a lot of forms of goodness used in the Greek. They all come from one root word, which we'll get to later. This one is used four times. Only four times. So if you haven't been here yet, and even if you have, um, most of these verses, they're printed out in here. I will ask someone to read them. So, And there's been a few people that have been faithfully reading. That's great. I don't mind if the rest of you turn to them and read them as well. Um, if more than one person has it open to it and two people start reading at the same time, just read in unison. I'm okay with that. Um, so we're going to be looking at these next several verses here. So pick one out, get to it, and that way we don't waste too much time waiting on it. So it's used four times. Those four verses, those four references right there, Romans 15:14, Galatians 5:22, Ephesians 5, 9, and 2 Thessalonians 1, 11 are the four times that it's used. Does anyone have Romans 15:14 yet? I know and am persuaded by the
3: Lord Jesus. There is nothing
0: the clean of itself, but to him that is even anything to be
3: in the end of the I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Thank you. And I myself also am persuaded of you, my brother, that ye also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish all other.
0: I believe that you are full of goodness, he says. That's the word right there. I believe that you're full of goodness. Galatians 5 22 is, our, is, is in our theme of the fruit of the spirit where he says the fruit of the spirit is goodness Ephesians 5:9 Nobody was ready. I've got it. Ephesians 5:9 for the f- I'm going to read it in the amplified since I'm there. For the fruit, the effect or the product of the light or the spirit consists in every form of kindly goodness and uprightness of heart and trueness of life. So the fruit of the Spirit consists in every form of goodness. 2 Thessalonians 1.11.
1: Therefore also we pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this call and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith. Uh-huh.
0: Thank you. Of his goodness. All the good pleasure, it's a different word, meaning all the all the enjoyable pleasure of his goodness. Loving kindness. This goodness and, and the root of it is above average, I think someone said. So when, when we're talking about these things, it's not that it's just acceptable goodness. It's not the accepted level or the expected level of good chocolate cake. It's exceptional. It's above average. It's better than anticipated. Beyond the necessity. Now, if I say, if somebody stands up front and says, God is good, you say, all the time. And then I say all the time, and you say, God is good. I think that comes from an African tribe somewhere is where it originated. It's just one of their sayings. God is good. All the time. All the time. God is good. But what do we mean by that? What do we mean that God is good?
1: In, um Romans 3.11 where it says no one is good not even one without the Holy Spirit and the body
0: so the character of God the character of God the character of a God is good we say God is good we say God is love we say God is just God has a lot of attributes right
2: so God that doesn't mean God is always comfortable
0: no if you're a good parent are you always a comfortable parent no. Children
3: think
0: so. Your children think so? <laughs> so in, in the same way that we can't really separate the different attributes of the fruit, singular, of the spirit, you can't really separate all the attributes of God. They're, all, they're, they're like a pile of spaghetti. You can't just say, I want this one. I want this part of God. You've you got to take the good with the bad. Now, that doesn't go for spaghetti because it's all good. But you, you, they're all intertwined. Love is good. God is good. Love is mercy. Mercy is loving kindness. Everything crosses over. It's why it's been so hard for me tonight this week to not talk about the next one while I'm talking about the previous one. That's okay. Because it's all the same thing. It's all the fruit. Psalm 119, 68.
3: Thou good and do us good. Teach me thy no
0: statute. David says, and it's Hebrew, so the word is Hesed. It's loving kindness. You are good. That goodness is above average. It's, it's more than anticipated, more than deserved. He says, you are good and do good. So God is and does good. Do you believe that? I haven't always. You can believe in God without believing that what he does is good. Sometimes you got to wonder, as humans, if, if what he's doing is good. You don't have to wonder, but we do, right? So in a, in a mentoring session once with Milo Zare, if you know who he is, I had a couple of them with him. He told me something that stuck with me so far for years. He said, I thought he was falling asleep while I was talking to him and telling him my story, uh, but he wasn't. He was, he was sitting back thinking like this. And I got done and he said, you think God is a rascal. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, you think God is a rascal. And that has stuck with me for a long time. And he explained himself, and what he meant was, you think that God is putting you through stuff just to to see what happens. You think that he's tested you and made you endure things just, just to, you know, poke the bear, see what he does. He said, you probably think that when God allowed Job to be tested like that, that God was trying to see yeah, that's uh, let's see what Job does. God was doing it for Job's good. God did stuff to me, allowed stuff to happen to me for my good. And I had this attitude that, man, why would you why would you put me through this? Why why would you let me deal with something back here that has affected me the rest of my life? I thought God was a rascal. That 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 has stuck with me. At the end he said, God is good. What he does and allows is good. And he cares about you. Do we desire to be and do good? If you're thinking of goodness as a fruit of the spirit, it's an action, right? The things that we do need to be good. Our attitudes need to be good. We need to be rooted in goodness, the actions of God are good because he is good. He's more than simply fair and just. He's compassionate and gracious. He's never deceitful. He's not a rascal. He doesn't trick us into anything. He doesn't say, "I'm going to give you free will," and then, <laughs> "Got you. You chose not to love me." He's not a rascal. Psalm 145, 8 and 9. The Lord
3: is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all
0: his works. Good to all. Last night we talked about being kind to people and how God is not just kind to his children. Good to all. The goodness of God extends far beyond the children of Israel. It was extending to the Galatians that Paul was writing to here, it extends to the world both then and until the end of time. God is the source of goodness. God is good all the time. That's where we should learn it. There
3: was a footnote in my Bible that said
0: he's impartial. Is that true? He's impartial? In my human understanding of impartial, it means that you're affected by what you know about the person. And is God affected by what he knows about us? He's no respecter of persons. persons. That would be, yeah, a good way to put it. Matthew 5. I'm sorry, I need to ask a question first. No, I don't. Matthew 5, 43 through 48.
1: You I've heard that everything said, gosh, I love that neighbor and hate that enemy. But I say to you, fund the enemy, bless them because you, do good to that main You I pray for that which you do, fight for me your persecutor. That you may be the children of your father which is in heaven. For he makes the sun you rise your father's evil and one good. Send the brain of justice just and the unjust. For so if you love that which love you, what do the have you want to do? you not even the public to the same?
0: Thank you. I think we've read that passage a couple times this week already. But it fits. If if what we're doing is out of a heart of love to each other and to the world around us, we're going to be long-suffering. We're going to be kind. We're going to be good and show goodness more than justice expected you know in our world today someone strikes you on the one cheek you you want to strike them back i mean that's that's what we do that's what humans want to do i told you already my children do that come to me she hit me well you kicked me where did they learn that i didn't teach them that it's human nature This feels like a rhetorical question, but it is not. Was Jesus good?
3: good. The says, Jesus,
0: what about doing good? I don't know a verse, but I see what's good. he says he's the good shepherd.
1: He's the good shepherd. Isn't there a part in the Bible that says, why do you call me good? There is only like one good
0: there he is let's turn to mark 10 17-22 mark 10 17 through22 and when he was gone forth into the way there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, "Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life and Jesus said unto him, why callest thou me good?" There is none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these things I have observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross and follow me. And he, the young man, was sad at that saying. He went away grieved, for he had great possessions. Get into the second half in a minute. But Jesus said, why do you call me good? There's only one good, and that's God. Well, we know Jesus was God, right? But what would this have sounded like to this young man who came asking what to do for eternal life? I told you already, I love words and their origins and stuff like that. There are three different spellings of the word good here in the Greek. So the first one, the man comes running up and kneels down and says, good master, good teacher. That good is is a salutation, basically. It'd be like saying, doctor so-and-so. You're you're a good teacher. You're a good person. I, I have respect for you. What must I do to gain eternal life? Jesus says why do you call me good? And he changed it just a little bit, I believe. At least that's the way the Greek is written. He changes, it's it's, it's just a tense almost. He says, why do you call me good, meaning adequate? Why, why do you, you know, mm, yeah, it's, it's good tea. My wife one time said, oh, it's being recorded, whatever. She's going to listen to it. I love you, sweetie. My wife one time said, when I asked her if she liked something that she just ate at a restaurant, so I said, was it was it good? She said, it was good, but I wouldn't get it again. And we, we talked about that for a long time because that made no sense to me. If it was good, why wouldn't you get it again? She, well, it wasn't that good. It was, it was good, but I, I, I wouldn't get it again. So it, apparently to her, it was, it was adequate. You know, it was what she expected. It was, it was good. And so that's the second good in here that Jesus said, why do you, why do you call me good? And then he takes it a step farther And he says, there is one good. That third one that he used, that is the root word in the Greek for all of the other translations and feelings of good, loving kindness and all that. He says, there is one good, and that's God. That is the only time that root word is used in the Bible. There's one good, root word of goodness, and that good is God. To me, that's fascinating. I love it. So what did this rich young ruler lack? He came sincerely, I believe. He came and he hit his knees and he says, what, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? He was trying to, he was trying to earn eternal life. What, what do I need to do? God knew his heart. Jesus knew his heart. And he says, do you know what the scripture says? And he goes down through it. And he says, I've done all that. Now, we don't know this young man. But well, what do you think people said of him? Do you think people said, he's a good man? Well, when you think of a rich guy, and I've said this about people, and you know you talk about how much money somebody has and how they've done really well for themselves and their business and blah, 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 blah. You know, he's, he's very well off, but, but he's, he's a good guy. I mean, he, he, gives, he gives a lot, stuff like that. Do You think that could have been said about this guy? He's a good man? Probably so. But he was giving of his plenty. Jesus said, one thing you lack. Jesus looked at him in love and said, one thing you lack. Sell all you have and give it to the poor. See, it's not enough to give of our plenty. We should give of our plenty. The love that we've received from God, the goodness that we've received from God, that has to flow out. But we can't inherit eternal life And be freed from sin and shame, and then turn around to other people and say, "Be ye warmed and filled." It what comes in must go out. How does God use evil for good? Someone get Genesis fifty. Nineteen and twenty one.
1: And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God, but as for you, you thought evil against me, or God made it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Now, therefore, fear ye now, you not, I will to shoot any Muslims, and you comfort them, they will speak kindly. Of
0: Thank you. How does God use evil for good? In miraculous ways, for one, and in simple ways, for another.
1: I'm always amazed at the fact of how God
0: can use one thing and get multiple results out of that one thing. Yep. So in in this story, Joseph's brothers intended to kill him. I mean, that, that was what they wanted to do, except for one brother saying, let's just throw him in a well, okay? Their desire for his death gave life to thousands, not unlike someone else's desire for someone else's death. So does that mean if, if God can take evil situations and evil people and their doings and get good results, does that mean that there isn't really anything evil because, you know, God can work it out for good? No. Not at all.
1: Kind of fraught with difficulties when yeah. You bear very quick to be
0: it can. Yep. You know, you can, you can look at that and say, you know, may, maybe it's not the right thing for me to do, but God will work it out. It's dangerous territory. God is good. Sin is sin, evil is evil, but God is incredible, and God is wise. Sometimes we look at the evil that happens around us, and we have no clue how God could ever bring something good out of it.
3: What he
1: does. It's like the, the thing I hope this is the right thing that I'm doing and protect
3: me through this.
1: Yeah.
0: That's right. It's a different trajectory. It's, it's, different trajectory. it's, it's not, there's you know, yes, whatever, there, I don't really care. Don't, yeah, it's, it's not clear. To I'm trying.
1: There's maybe.
0: Yeah. So is being a good person enough? If the fruit of the Spirit is goodness. It be, is being a good person enough? Of course, we say no, but how do we tell someone that? Why isn't it enough? Passing out tracks the downtown mall, I'm good. And even closer to home, if they're going through the motions, exactly as a Christian should live, how do we convey a need for more? How do we recognize the need for more? How do we go beyond the complacency of our goodness and, and the setting that we live in and fitting and blending in, how do we get beyond that and realize that we've got to be more than good? We've got to be more than what's expected. Take a good look at God. Take a good look at God. Thank you. And recognize recognize sin for what it is. Um, I'm going to do these next four. So if, if we can be ready for those, that would be great. Romans three twenty
3: three. All of sin come short of glory of God.
0: All of sinned. Romans six twenty three.
3: The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life
0: Christ our Lord. Thank you. All have sinned. Does that leave anybody out? It certainly doesn't leave out the good people the wages of that sin is death. This is two really big subjects to get in one night, and I apologize, we're breezing through stuff. I alluded to this a little bit. No, I think I actually outright said it yesterday. I believe that the fruit that you produce in your life is a direct reflection and implication on the depth of your understanding of your inability to earn salvation. It's what you produce, your depth of gratitude, and and what you reflect is a reflection, I'm sorry, of, of how you feel salvation happened in you, of how you acknowledge that sin was in your life no matter how good a person you were. You know, some of us, praise God, were raised in really godly homes, and we were good people. We weren't out there, you know, sowing our wild oats. We we were good people and we accepted Christ as our Savior, and there wasn't a huge change in our lives. Maybe we don't have a recognition for the fact that we are sinners. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. John fourteen six. Jesus said,
1: him I the way, the truth, and the the Father but me."
0: It's by grace and faith. Now we can't get into faith yet, right? Because that's next. But there is only one way to the Father. That's through Christ. Doesn't matter what level of goodness you find yourself at. Now, there's nothing wrong with being a good person. We need to be good people, but we cannot just be good people.
1: Is goodness good if it does not come
2: out of a relationship with God?
0: God can use it for good. You know little Christmas song, So Be Good for Goodness' Sake? If we're only being good for goodness' sake, it's still good. And it still affects others around us. But it's safe
1: that we're inadequate versus godly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's human decency to be a good person we got to get beyond that.
3: This is, this is kind of a farmer's analogy, but people say when it rains, it rains on both the crops and flowers and the weeds.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: Just because weeds grow out of it, it doesn't mean it's not very good. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a blessing. It's just... I have a question. You said Jesus told that man who very much good sell what had and give it to the poor. Let me ask you a question. You've got $20 million in the kitchen. you just going to go out there and just go here, here, here. Or how are you going to disperse it? Or are you going to disperse it? Or are you going to keep some involved for your
0: life? For sake of time, I would respond with, in the counsel of many, there is wisdom. I certainly wouldn't take that $20 million and just go hand it out.
1: he would be a good steward of the money.
0: Yeah.
3: One of the points Jesus is there is you're not going to need that in eternity.
1: That's right.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. You want eternal life? You don't need this. Let's go on to eternal life.
1: What one thing else? You can never help people No. And sometimes God picks people that are mediocre that just have nothing to say, And those that were, let's just say, filthy rich, wouldn't give it to your brother. He knocked on his door and you sent him away. And God will gladly use those that have a compassionate heart, the gift of giving to those that are in need. But I wouldn't throw it to the dog I throw it at my pearls before swatting. You know, if my brother really has a need, you know he has it, you got it, that give it
0: up. Amen. I missed it, I'm sorry. It says
1: don't tell him, go away when you already
0: have it, there, it That's right. Goodness affects others directly. It, like kindness, is the action others judge us by. Look at Matthew 5:13 through 16 and consider the following questions. Matthew 5:13 through 16, I will read that. Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt hath lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on salt, um, but how are we like salt? Salt leaves
3: a good influence on the food we eat So.
0: Okay. What was salt used for in this time?
1: Preservation to
0: To preserve and to enhance flavor. Is that what we're doing to the world around us? There's there's a sermon in that, but we're not there tonight.
3: Mm -hmm. Should being salt like the purpose of salt is a seasoning. So, sort of the season. Purpose of the seasoning is, as we said, enhancement. So you kind of say, God created us kind of like that. We're here to bring glory to Him
1: and kind of preserve the world.
3: Yeah. So, sort of Christian like a, a good season.
0: Yeah. I would say so. The second half of this passage about light about letting your light shine before men and you know, being on a candlestick and set on a hill. How do we mesh that in Matthew 6, 1 through 4? Take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou dost thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. For thine alms may be in secret, and thy father, which seeth in secret himself, shall reward thee openly. So how do we mesh letting our light shine, letting the world see our good works, like it says, and giving in secret? Attitude. Thank you. Matthew 5, 16 is talking about the importance of good works in our lives, and they are important, and how they point to God. In the Amplified, verse 16 says it this way, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your moral excellence and your praiseworthy, noble, and good deeds, and recognize and honor and praise and glorify your Father who is in heaven. That's that's the direction our good deeds need to go, and that comes out of what our attitude is. Matthew 6.1 stresses that we must have right. Matthew 6.1 stresses that we must have right motivation for our good works. That, that means while we are called to be light to the world, clearly showing God's way in our lives, our good works must always be done from a motivation of love and concern for others, not from any motivation to look good or to appear religious or spiritual. So we, we talk about being a light, but what's the significance of light? What was light back then? Everything. Couldn't just flip a switch and have it back then. You ever stumble around in the dark, pitch black? How I many of you have been in one of the caves around here with, with, and, and turned off all the lights? It's a weird feeling. You start to, at least I do, start to wonder which way is up and which way is down. And then I think of stories of people being stuck in that darkness in a cave like that for days and days, and then finally being found. And then I have to think about the way the world is in darkness, figuratively, but in darkness. And what that means spiritually to wander and bump your head on stalactites while you're stuck in that darkness. And then how amazing it is for a light to shine into that darkness. And how, no matter how good I am before Christ, I was in that darkness. No amount of personal goodness and human decency sheds any light into a heart that's dark. What's the significance of light? Isaiah 51:4. Hearken Is unto
1: me, my people, and give ear unto me, O my nation, where your law shall proceed from me, and I will make my judgment.
0: The law shall proceed from me. My judgment shall be as a light. God's law guides like light. God's law, so first night we talked about what this was all about, about the Galatians being influenced two different ways. All you got to do is believe and adhere, and then the Jewish Christians come in and say, no, you got to keep our feast days and everything like that. And Paul says, you're not under the law, per se, but don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. It needs to come out of the spirit. So God's law is good. God's law pointed people in the right direction. It, it gave them a guideline for what to do. Jesus came and says, all right, this has got to get beyond a guideline. This has got to come from within. This has got to become natural for you. Isaiah 58, 1 through 10 Amplified if you have it, NIV.
2: Cry aloud, do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet and declare to my people their transgression, to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me day and night and delight superficially to know my ways, as if they were in reality a nation that had done righteousness and had not abandoned, turned away from the ordinance of their God. They ask me righteous judgments. They delight in the nearness of God. Why have we fasted, they say, and you do not see it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you do not notice? Hear this, O Israel, on the day of your fast, when you should be grieving for your sins, and you find something you desire to do, and you force your hired servants to work instead of stopping all work, as the law teaches. The facts are that you fast only for strife and brawling and to strike with the fist of wickedness. You do not fast as you do today to make your voice heard on high. Is it a fast such as this that I have chosen for a, a day for a man to humble himself with sorrow in his soul? Is it only to bow down his head like a reed and to make sackcloth and ashes of the bed, pretending to have a repentant heart? Do you call this a fast and a day pleasing to the Lord? Rather, is not this the fast which I choose? to undo the bonds of wickedness, to tear in pieces the ropes of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, to break apart every enslaving yoke. Is it not to divide your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into the house when you see the naked that you cover him, and not to hide yourself from the needs of your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break out like the dawn, and your healing, restoration, new life will quickly spring forth. Your righteousness will go before you, leading you to peace and prosperity. The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here I am. If you take away from your midst the yoke of oppression, the finger pointed in scorn toward the oppressed or the godly, and every form of wicked, sinful, unjust speech, And if you offer yourself to assist the hungry and satisfy the need of the afflicted, then your light will rise in darkness and your gloom will become like new day.
0: Thank you. It's a long passage that I recommend you go and read again and contemplate it a little bit. They were going through all the motions. They were following the law. God's law is set forth as a light. We're keeping these things. Why don't you hear us? We fast and you don't answer us. We cry out and you don't hear us. What's going on? And God says, you're just going through the motions. While you're doing that, your own are poor and naked and hungry. You don't care. He says, take them in. You want a fast day. All you, the only reason you're fasting anymore is because of strife and brawling among yourselves and to try to make yourselves feel like you've been subdued and that you're the righteous person. It's it's vainglory." He says, fast on for the needs of others. Weep for your brothers and sisters. Bring them in and feed them. Then your light will, will shine forth in the darkness. Then you can call on me and I'll hear you. It's a beautiful picture of, of right motive and attitude in the same actions. John 8, 12.
3: Let's pick Jesus again into that saying, I'm the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of the world.
0: We've read a lot of different stuff this week about being like something, and then we read that, oh, Jesus was like that. No wonder we're supposed to be like that. Ye are the light of the world, et cetera, et, cetera, et cetera. I am the light. We're supposed to be a reflection of him. Now, like words, does that mean we're just supposed to be a mirror that's simply reflecting his light, or should we have that light within us and become a light ourselves? It's an interesting concept you can think about. Kindness. Goodness. Gandhi said, an eye for an eye leaves the whole world blind. Well, Jesus said something pretty similar a long time before that. He said, turn the other cheek. Goodness that goes beyond the expected. Romans 12, 21.
3: Be not overcome with people.
0: Overcome evil with good. good. 2 Thessalonians three thirteen.
1: Don't be weary in well doing.
0: Don't be weary in well doing. We talked about that last night. When people abuse your kindness, don't tire of doing good. Titus two thirteen and fourteen. Peculiar people. It goes beyond the norm. We're the weirdos. What did you call us last night, Ken? Idiots. 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 One of God's idiots. (laughs) Zealous of good works. Titus 3 8.
3: This is a faithful saying, and these things I will let out constantly, that they which have faith in God might be careful to maintain.
0: Maintain good works. God is good. He goes above and beyond simply meeting our needs. Does your life prove that to those around you? Are you a good example? When you were younger, did your mom and dad ever point out someone as a good example? Or maybe more likely as an example of what not to do? I got that all the time. I became that for some people for a while unfortunately. Do you consume what is good for you? Is the stuff that you're consuming in your life which is the stuff that comes out. Good in, good out, right? Is what you're consuming good. Is what you're spending your time reading and viewing and hearing and thinking about is it good? <coughs> Is your fruit salad good? You can look up that verse later on and figure out what I'm talking about there. we got to take a little break because faith is the next one and we don't have near enough time this week for faith. When the time comes, will you hear, well down, thou good and faithful servant, or depart from me? Will you argue with, but I've done so many wonderful works? Or will you wonder, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered and fed thee, or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? Have these things become natural to you? Okay. Take as quickly a break as you can. All right, we're going to get started again. We're going to get started again. We've got, we've got about 20 minutes to get through faith. So,
3: <laughs>
0: so we just talked about a lot of good works, right? So now we have to have this argument, right, about what's more important, faith or good works, and, and how salvation actually works. We, we, I mean, we have to have this argument. Any time that you talk about, faith and good works. You just, you have to go through this, right? I don't want to. We don't have time for it. If you are in a position where you are trying to figure out what's more important, faith or good works, and you're trying to elevate one above the other, I don't think you have a heart that desires to do what God wants, because I think he wants both. If you're trying to figure out which one comes first, you're trying to figure out which came first, the chicken or the egg. Now, maybe somewhere way back there, God created a chicken, but an egg is a chicken. It's just not fully developed yet. So I'm not here to try to split hairs on what it is. The fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness. It's an act of being faithful. And what does that look like? The word is, I think it's pistis. It's P-I-S-T-I-S if you're going to, to read it out loud. Um, and it means moral conviction, persuasion, assurance, belief, or faithfulness. So, what does it mean? What does it mean to be a faithful follower of Christ? Y'all ready for some verses? We're going to do those next four Matthew 16 24 through 26.
1: life lose Give in for soul.
0: faithful follower of Christ denies himself follows Christ puts everything else aside do you know that if you think about following Christ you don't just walk over to Christ and stop, right? Following Christ implies that he's, he's moving on, and you've got to keep up with him, right? It's not a one-time thing. You don't take up your cross and come over to me and then sit down and relax, and you're here, you're done. It's active. John 3.30. He
2: must have
0: He must increase, I must decrease. Thank you. Are we disciples for his good or our own? A little bit of a trick question, because the answer is yes. But he must increase. The motivation for doing things has to be to point people to him. Faithful follower. Luke 14, 25 through 35. Thank you. Have you counted the cost? Now, do we take that and say, okay, do I want to follow Christ? What's it going to take? I'm going to have to give up my hobbies. Put your list out there. Do I really want to do this? Is that counting the cost? Yes. It's part of it. it. Some yeses, some noes. When you make a commitment and a decision to follow Christ, that's what you're doing. You're saying, this is more important to me than anything else. And if we follow Christ and then we turn around and we go back and tend to this, and then we come a little bit more and do this, or we we start to follow Christ and eventually down the road we say, you know what, I've followed you far enough, you go on, I'm going to sit right here because I'm comfortable with the level of Christ likeness that I've come to. Your salt has lost its savor. Apathy. Matthew 10, 37 through
1: 39. He that loveth Father and loveth woman is not worthy of me. He that loveth son or daughter of is not worthy of me. He that taketh not his cross to fall back to me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it
0: same stuff different spot it's not an option a faithful follower does not follow for a day does not follow part of the way does not uphold a couple of these aspects a faithful follower is someone who is determined to go all the way whatever the cost.
2: And when you count the cost, it means you decide whether it's worth it or not. I mean, in other words, you're comparing it to. You're weighing it, it.
0: You're weighing yeah. it.
2: This versus that. Yep. Job said, said, well, he we said, don't no, he slave we'll I trust him. Yeah. That's... You didn't
3: say you
0: can't love it, but... no, 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 no. No, we're supposed to. We learned about that the first night. It doesn't say, yeah. You know, it, it kind of says if you don't hate them, then you can't follow me. But it doesn't say you have to hate them. It's if you love them more than you love God. Now, there, there are some things that I really love and enjoy that are earthly things, and that's okay. But what's at the top of my list? How would you describe, well, we're only on the second question. How would you describe a faithful spouse? Anybody else? Turn to James 4. James 4, 4 through 10. James 4, 4 through 10. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you think that the Scripture saith in vain, The Spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy, but he giveth more grace? Wherefore, he saith, God restricteth the proud, but giveth grace grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Adulterers, cheating on God. How were they cheating on God? They were friends with the world, forsaking their first love. They were double minded can a tree produce both good and bad fruit? If you you look back a little bit in verse 2, there's some accusations. Ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. Hate, the opposite of love. The opposite of the root of so many of these fruits. The opposite of what the two most important laws are, or commandments are, on which hang all the laws. Opposite the root of life in Christ. Are we faithful to Christ? Are we faithful to our call? Or do we cheat on God? Outside of Hebrews 11, What are some verses about faith? Yeah, just in case you're wondering, Hebrews 11 is by faith Abraham, by faith Noah, by faith that's that chapter. So outside of those verses, what other verses come to mind about faith?
1: It's impossible to please God without
0: faith. Impossible to please God without faith.
3: By grace you are saved through faith. Is a gift of God. as well. you going to be Yeah. It's a
0: fruit. Yep. <clears throat> it the gift is
3: of so God. So. I'm kind of I got it. Faith is the sub-
0: substance, substance of things hoped for. I think that's actually Romans uh eleven one. So I think you're in that chapter. But
3: <laughs> 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 that's it. <okay. laughs>
0: There's one that I think about when I think about faith, and it doesn't have the word faith in it, but it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him, that's faith. Whoever believes, whoever has faith will be saved. Would you
1: please say that one more
0: time? The whole thing? No,
1: just the about
0: that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That is faith. Believing in God is faith. We get the faith from God? That's fascinating. I thought I thought that a whole bunch of works gave us our faith. <laughs>
2: Am I correct? It's a little bit like a baby. A baby has its muscles. Mm-hmm. But as it exercises those muscles, it gets more
0: muscles. I think that's a good analogy. So can people see our faithfulness? Is this a fruit that people need to be able to see, or is this between us and God?
1: Well, the world needs to see it. Sequentially, is both, but God first.
0: I guess. God first, for sure. I say the world needs to see it. The world needs to see it, I agree. Well,
3: it's kind of bad the God everybody else
0: going to see it.
3: that's right yeah it's kind of like a serpent in the wilderness you can imagine oh that poor guy died he didn't have no faith he didn't look at the raising serpent I-, I can't really imagine what that must have been that's be a like
0: fascinating story
3: faith versus hope. yeah and are alive
0: So how can we see if someone has faith? How, how can we tell? Um, and in thinking of this, I don't want you to think about looking around and saying, oh, okay, he has faith, she has faith, great. It's it's how we need to be portraying faithfulness in these next few verses here. Hebrews 13, 7.
3: Remember, number 10, we will worry you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith followed. Considering the end of conversation,
0: look at their life, look at them to the end of their life, and, and see how they turned out. Now, we're not at the end of our life yet, right? So how do we know if we've remained faithful unto the end? Did you know that you can remain faithful unto the end of every day? Faithful unto the end doesn't mean, you know, you're mediocre throughout your entire life and then... As you get to the end, you start trusting him more and believing more and faithful unto death. No. You've got to exercise those muscles, yes. But you've got to exercise.
2: I keep thinking of the, uh, the, the, thing, the one you referenced in Revelation, Church of Ephesians, where it says you lost your, left your first love. They were doing all the right stuff.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: It seems like it came back to relationship. A Relationship is built on faith, isn't it?
0: Our relationship with, with God is built on faith. We have five minutes. We might pick up some of this tomorrow. We'll see. Um, without reading it, John 17, 1, 5, Jesus was, was faithful to the work he was sent to do, and thereby was God glorified. What are we sent to do? What here on earth are we doing that exemplifies faithfulness? Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. skip a big portion of this because I want to get to some stuff that's at the end. Um, If you look at Hebrews 11 that we talked about, all the examples of faith, how do you describe their faith? If you look down through there, they all had a little bit different aspect of faith. They all said a little bit something different about that type of faith. Noah believed there would be a flood and so he acted on it. Isaac I'm sorry, Abraham laid Isaac on the altar, believing God would somehow still keep his promise, even if it meant raising Isaac from the dead. Did you know that Abraham believed that he was going to kill Isaac and that God would raise him from the dead? That's faith. Now, we have faith in God. We believe God is good, right? God is good all the time. What he does is good. What shakes our faith? Have you ever had your faith shaken? I have. And how do we strengthen it once it's been shaken?
1: I was wondering who had the most faith? Isaac being bound and laying on the altar or God was going to do whatever and Abraham. That was quite a challenge
2: for me.
0: Yeah, I don't know if i thought about it like that. It would have taken a lot of obedience to get up on that altar, and obedience is faith.
3: These two questions I think about most over the last night: should Peter, what shook his faith? Usually, certainly, circumstances. Do yeah. And how we strengthen that.
0: Stop looking at Jesus. You
2: stop looking at
0: Jesus. And, yep. You know, the things had around him
2: hadn't
1: changed, but what he was looking at changed. He started trying to make sense of what was going on.
0: They do. Absolutely do. Um, we don't have time to go through it, but Psalm 13 is a psalm of David um, that's just fairly heart wrenching. David was fleeing from Saul, and he was hiding in a cave now because he had fled from Saul and tried to go to Gath. And they recognized him in Gath and said, Hey, this is, this is that David. David has slain, or Saul has slain his thousands. David his ten thousands. David was recognized. Do you all know what he did? He acted crazy. He started scratching the door and drooling down his beard, it says. He he acted like he was insane, and the king of Gath was like, Why have you brought this lunatic in here? Get him get him out of here. And David ran away and hid in the cave, and he wrote this psalm. In verse 5, David says, I have trusted in thy mercy. That word there is translated also as loving kindness. It's an acknowledgement that God is good. So even, even hiding in a cave, and this was before that group of men came and joined him in that cave, he was alone. He said, I have trusted in your loving kindness. I believe that you are good. Faith is believing God is good and his way is best. Last September, last September as I sat beside my son in the emergency room, I struggled to believe God is good or that he even knew what he was doing or that he had my best interest in mind or my son's best interest in mind. I started to feel like God's a rascal. How could you take my perfectly healthy son and do that to him? What are you trying to prove? God, maybe you're trying to help someone, but man, that's that's just low. In August 2017, after two weeks of fervent prayer for a mangled friend, he passed away and I wrote that song that's written there. I'm not going to read it right now because I won't make through it. I was thinking of David's songs and how David would get to the pits of stuff, but he would always or most of the times end with, but God. He believed God was good. And we talked about joy earlier this week, and it's tainted sometimes. As long as we can come through believing that God is good, as long as at the end, we can say, I must give in till remains only one, not mine, but thy will be done. The section there, No Man Left Behind, is about encouraging and edifying those that are in the brotherhood with us. And we might touch on that tomorrow evening. I have a shorter evening plan tomorrow um, with the last two, but I think we might try to get through some of those. But we have to stop for now. Thank you.